Hello and welcome to the Tillage Edge with me, Michael Hennessy. This is your regular update for all your tillage news and advice. The huge jump in fertilizer prices over the past four months has been eye-watering. Many in the trade, but especially farmers, are still a little stunned that this critical input could skyrocket by so much. Farm costs will increase significantly, with Chagas figures showing it will cost on average 400 euros per hectare more to grow crops this year in comparison to last year. Fertilizer costs obviously make up the large proportion of this cost. Last week, the National Tillage Conference webinar was held and covered a number of areas to help farmers utilize fertilizers more efficiently and also where farmers can reduce fertilizer inputs. After each section, there was a very useful questions and answer session with speakers answering questions from participants. These sections were excellent and are worth listening to again. Dr. Ewan Mullins, the head of crop science in Chagas, chaired all the sessions and asked the questions. In the first section, Dr. David Wall, a researcher from Johnstown Castle, answers questions around lime applications and also P and K requirements for various crops. David, I suppose just you're mentioning lime there. So how quickly will lime lift the soil pH? Um, I suppose look at the, the context here is if lads have con acre. Um, can you give us an idea of the time frames? Okay, Ewan. Um, so, yeah, on, on this, this question comes up a, a good little bit. You know, you have short-term leased land or you have con acre, and am I going to invest in, in lime? Um, what I would say is ground limestone, there's uh, about 35% of it by specification is finely ground and will work within a two to three month window. So if you have, um, you know, short term ground or even ground that you're, you're worried about in terms of getting lime on there, there is options there to put lime obviously into the seedbed on the plowed ground is the best option. However, if you're wanting to get it working uh, well enough and you, and you were sure you had the land for a little bit longer, you could apply on the stubble and incorporate with the plow and it's working straight away. So uh, there should be no issue. And then it's so cheap in terms of the return on investment stacks up even for con acre ground. Okay, very good, excellent. So um, Andy has a question here, David, please. So if you have a low soil pH, say around five and a half, what is the best strategy in applying the lime and raising the pH? What is the optimum application rates in any one application? Okay, so um, this is a good question in, in terms of, of, of going back to your soil test results. So if, if, if you have your soil test results, you know that you're down at that low, very acid conditions. It, the soil test results will give you a recommendation. Now, those recommendations can be uh, fairly high, obviously, because you're, you're so far away from your target. Mm -hmm. um, what we would recommend is that you would apply up to uh, seven and a half tons per hectare, so three tons per acre in all money um, in, in, in the first go. Um, there may be an opportunity there where soil tests are done in the back end of the year to apply some of that onto the stubble and let it be working and, and neutralizing acidity um, there. There's often questions over whether that will be turned down and it won't be used, but that's not the case. Mm -hmm. There may be an opportunity to then come back with the remainder of the lime um, and, and apply it on the, the, the plowed ground later on, either in, in, that, in that following year or, or, or split it for a year and, and wait and bring it up a little bit slowly. You don't want to antagonize trace elements um, uh, in the soil. Very good. And uh, I probably complicated things a little bit, but I think I suggested at the start that to send in questions through the chat. Of course, what I should have said was send in your questions through the Q&A tab at the bottom. 
uh, but there's no problem. We'll 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 get to all the questions either through the individual sessions or through the individual presentations or are now with, with the speakers directly. Uh, just an anonymous question here, David. What impact does low soil temperature or wetness have on pea uptake on spring barley in, a, in an index four where no pea had been applied previously? Okay, so so where where on index four, I suppose the soil has um, uh, an appreciable um, quantity of, of, of phosphorus available, right? And that's what the, the index system or the soil test system is, is telling us. However, for a, a rapidly grown crop like spring barley, you know, it's a, it's a bit of a sprint uh, to the end. You need to have those nutrients fully available um, there and then once the, the, the seed strikes. So on an index four, you should be fairly safe. There is some evidence there from, from trial work that we've done that on high pH soils, so I mean soils that are rapid or that are naturally uh, calcareous, there is some of those in the in the Atai area um, and, and uh, pockets into to, to both Leash and Carlo, where they're naturally acidic, up into Offaly as well, are uh, they're, they're naturally calcareous or naturally high pH. Those soils do need uh, a helping hand. Um, at index four, there's even an allowance for those to apply 20 kilograms of, of, of phosphorus into the seedbed. So that's a, a little bit of a, of a, a variability for the, for the rest, I suppose, that are working on acidic soils. An index four system should be able to apply in, uh, what you need without the need for, for, for additional phosphorus. Okay, very good. Now, we just have a few minutes before we move on to Richie. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw some quick questions at you. So if you can uh, throw uh, some quick answers back, if that's possible. Um, so... Should lime be changed every uh, year? So maybe calcium lime one year or magnesium lime another year? Um, not, not necessarily. Um, soils in, in Carlow, Wexford, uh, even into Kilkenny are high in magnesium anyway, and uh, calcium lime would, be, would suffice. For other areas, yeah, there might be an opportunity to bring some magnesium into the system. Okay, very good. How much of a pH increase would you get from, from a tonne of lime per acre? So a ton of lime uh, per, per, per acre, uh, I'll start with a ton of, of lime per hectare, okay. um, it increases the pH rule of thumb now by about 0.3 of a pH unit. Um, so if you go back to a ton of, ton of lime um, per, per, per acre, you'll get a little bit more than that. Okay, brilliant. Um, sorry now. Uh, if you over apply the lime, what would be the ripening effect on the crops and, and how do you solve that problem? Okay, over application, overshooting the runway where your pH goes well above seven, um, that can have a knock on effect on, on trace elements. So if we think about uh, copper, um, zinc, those kind of trace elements, those metals uh, are more available there at a moderate pH. Um, so if we shoot, overshoot the runway, there may be some temporary lockup of those nutrients. Um, that will rightify itself in an acidic uh, soil over time. Um, where you're putting on uh, chemical fertilizers, which are acids, phosphorus, which is an acid, and organic manures. So really, I suppose you just have to, 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 to wait it out for a year or so. Yeah. Okay. And look, if you're applying pig slurry before plowing, is it safe to apply lime on, on the plow ground within a few days? Um, what I would say there is pig slurry before lime and not the other way around. Um, if you're applying pig slurry on, 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 on ground, and um, wait about 10 days and come on with the lime and no problem. 
Dr. Richie Hackett, a researcher in Oak Park, was next up and answered questions around nitrogen inputs to tillage crops. Richie, I have a question for you. There's a couple of questions coming in through the questions and answer tab, but I, I just had one for you myself really in regard to strong corporation. Um, should end rates be adjusted um, because of the strong corporation last autumn? What do you think? Yeah, that, that's, that's a good question, Ewan. Um, in short, the answer is, is no. So we, yes, when you incorporate uh, straw in, into the soil, it's going to lock up some, some nitrogen over the autumn period. But generally what, what's been found is that as the straw decays, that, that nitrogen will, will become available to the crop again. So uh, mm. by the time the crop needs it uh, in the spring, that should be available. And we did do some work uh, in, in, uh, in Oak Park with, with Dermot. Dermot was the main leader of it, where we looked at nitrogen responses with and without straw incorporation on both plough-based systems and, and, and mintill systems. And we could, find, we could show, show no difference between the, the optimum ends uh, where straw was, was incorporated. So the short answer is, is no. Okay, grand, very good. Um, there's one in here, it's anonymous, but um, continuous wheat for 12 years, index three to four. What compounds would you use? Well, that that that, that 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 will depend on on uh, your P and K will drive your your compound uh, uh, choice, and 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 obviously I'm not sure what the the indexes are, mm -hmm. but um, it 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 will depend on on, on your indexes. But I I wouldn't I I don't need you 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 don't need to change your your the nitrogen component of your of your your compound to, to, because it's continuous tillage is what I would say. Yeah. Okay. Um, is it not more beneficial to use UAN over CAN due to its accuracy? In, 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 on, on a field basis, uh, the, the, the UAN will, it has it's one of its main advantages is because you're applying with a sprayer, it allow more even application, particularly on, on the headland runs and on, on the ins and outs, and, and you, 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 you can it can be beneficial in, in, in that case. If you just look at a so when we were doing plots, that's not in the, the even application on headlands isn't an issue. We're just comparing the straight efficiency of the nitrogen in each, and then there's there's no great different difference in the efficiency of, of, of the DN at any particular point in the crop. But on, on in terms of more accurate application, yeah, it certainly has a, a benefits there. Okay, look, when you were talking about the the break even uh, ratio earlier on, so if somebody wants to use organic manures. Uh, to supply the N, um, how should they be treating that in terms of calculating the BER? That that will 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 depend on. Uh, I, I would I would treat the nitrogen in in uh, the the organic manure as I would work out try work out what the cost of it is. So it sort of depends on on whether you have to pay for the uh, the the organic uh, manure or not. Um, and let, let's say Dermot or David gave the. The example of pig slurry and the nitrogen content of it was worth roughly about a quarter of, of the value of the, of the pig slurry. So, I mean, you, you, you could work out a cost of, of the organic, of the nitrogen and the organic material based on that. And, and then for your, when you're calculating your BER, you'd use sort of an overall average of, of, of your nitrogen cost. So many people, even if they're only using fertilizer, they'll, they'll buy their fertilizer at different times and have different uh, uh, prices if you like so you'd be using an overall average thanks richie and in the final session dermot forrestal a researcher in chagas oak park answered a number of questions around oilseed rape he was then joined by all the other speakers to answer questions from all the presentations
Dermot, I suppose just have one question for you and then we'll, we'll go to some of the others that are coming in from the chat. Um, we know the rape props, the winter rape has, has done very well with the mild autumn. So are you saying then that if guys are having a GAI value of three to three and a half, that they should only apply 60 to 100 kgs of nitrogen in total? Uh, yes, um, I, I, I got slightly nervous about this yesterday, Ewan, this, that sort of one, and I had a, a chat with John Spink as well. But the answer is yes, because, you know, that means that the crop has already taken up an awful lot of nitrogen. Mm. And OK, a lot of people will be familiar that there's going to be leaf loss and there will indeed be greater leaf, leaf loss from those crops over the season. There'll be more recycling of the leaf material. But rape do has, does have the ability to reabsorb that nitrogen into the crop before it loses the leaf. The leaf is green, it goes yellow. During that process, a lot of that comes back into the plant again. Uh, John estimates that's over 90% of that. Okay. So yes, there is, there is, um, it is the right thing to do, uh, would be to reduce uh, proportionately on the basis of the canopy that we have now. So yes, it does mean that you could, with the really big crops, be down to 100 kilos of nitrogen per hectare, even down maybe to 60 kilos of nitrogen per hectare. And you will be actually, as well as saving money, you'll be protecting yields by not overshooting that canopy size. Yeah, very good. And actually, Leia has a, a question in here, just I suppose to follow on from that. Um, they're just wondering in regard to the, the stuff you presented there, um, uh, did you do anything on the wheat crops following the oilseed rape at the reduced end rates? Basically, is the reduction in N in oilseed rape more likely to be seen as a reduction in wheat yield the following season? No, I, I think the, the increase in yield in the following season comes from the fact that you have a break crop. OK, but what you may do is change uh, the end the requirement for that next crop very slightly. Now that we have not looked into, but like there is because rape, I suppose, would have a reputation for, I suppose, inefficiency in terms of some of that nitrogen use uh, later in the season that um, the following wheat crop goes into index two. So there's a reduction of 30 kilos of nitrogen. Now, if we are you know, trimming off some of that nitrogen earlier on, there may be a slight change to that. I wouldn't see it disappearing completely, but there may be some change to that. But I think the saving that you will make in this season and the protection of yield that you will have in more precisely targeted this season would be greater than any loss subsequently there should not be a yield loss uh, in the following, because that yield benefit from a break crop is not coming from its change in nutrition. The yield benefit is coming, well, largely from, from, from a change in take-all risk. Okay, great. Thanks, Dermot. Richie, one for you. So in, in regard to last year's yields, which are generally above average, does this have any implications for N inputs? I would say not. Um, okay, yields were high. You might say offtakes were higher, but Proteins were also low, which means that in offtake, what wasn't hugely uh, different. Uh, the one point I would make, though, and it's probably a very important point, is yields were sort of above average last year. So if growers uh, did everything exactly the same this year as they did last year, we, we didn't have the, the, the problems with the expensive fertilizer. There's every good chance that this year's yields would be somewhat lower than, than last year. Uh, so if growers reduce their fertilizer this year, uh, they may get a, a bigger reduction compared to last year than, than what I was saying, but part of that is, is likely to be due to the, you know, the reverting back to the, the mean yield. But I suppose I, we should probably pass it over to David because the high yields last year will have a, more of an, an impact in terms of P and K than, than, than nitrogen. So I don't know, maybe David, you'd like to comment on that. 
Yeah, look, at a, a degree in terms of, of, of the nitrogen, um, it's a different, a different story and probably won't have the legacy effect in terms of P's and K's. Um, the, the higher yield will mop up more of that available P. And if a soil is at a lower index, it'll, it'll take longer, I suppose, to recondition or re to throw out that available P pool or replenish it uh, the year after. So especially for a spring crop under rapid growth, um, there may be a, a, a little bit of a, an issue there. And uh, again, we do need to think about at least applying crop requirement for those spring crops. Okay. Okay. Uh, one for you, Dermot. Um, just wondering about the impact of growing a crop of spring beans in a continuous spring barley, or sorry, in a continuous barley rotation. Uh, what are the possible negative effects if a farmer wants to go back to winter barley in the autumn of 2022? So thinking about putting spring beans in, uh, in later on in the spring and want to go back then to do spring, uh, winter barley in the autumn. Is there any any issues? Yeah, I think that the, the issue that's been raised there is just timing. In other words, that, uh, you know, if you if will, will you have time to get a, a crop of winter barley? Because winter barley, like it depends on the harvest date, obviously, of your winter beans or, or of your spring beans, sorry. And, uh, you know, that there's a little bit more to be lost by delaying maybe a winter barley particularly in certain areas, I suppose, a winter barley sowing date than there would be, say, a winter wheat. So there is a slight risk, I would say, there. I would say you might actually consider uh, winter beans in that sort of scenario because they will bring the, that harvest forward a little bit. I think in most years, on many sites, you will still get winter barley in, but you need to be very quick and on the ball for doing that. In other words, the day you're harvesting your beans is the day you're nearly sowing your winter barley. So, yeah, but I would say, you know, if somebody's talking about a complete winter barley monoculture, maybe that's not necessarily the best way to be because you're at a high risk there in terms of grass weeds and stuff like that as well. But, uh, but look, I don't know the specifics of that, but there is a slight risk of not getting a winter barley crop in every year that you would have winter beans. Yeah, okay, great. Uh, question in from James, um, probably for yourself, David, how much K would be recommended on winter wheat after chopping oat straw the previous year? Okay, so um, a good question um, in terms of, 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 I suppose, straw chopping and, and returning nutrients to the soil. Um, through we'd say crop residues in, in, in general. Um, oat and straw probably has the highest K content of all the straws followed by, by spring barley actually and then wheat. The more maturity of the straw, so if the straw is fully ripe versus a straw being more green, the green straw will hold more K in it. Uh, early on so again there's a higher contribution there but on average to answer the question if there was a nine, nine a nine ton crop of 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 winter oats you probably could allow or reduce your your k input by somewhere in the region of about 40 kilograms per hectare okay very good thanks david uh question in from david shortall what about sulfur application if the n amount is reduced should sulfur be increased to optimize n uptake uh, is that relating to acid rape or does that Richie take it anyway? Yeah, yeah, maybe maybe I'll, I'll take that one. So yeah, that, that's a very good point. So when you're reducing your, your, your nitrogen, you may well reduce your, your, your sulfur. And it's, it's important that not just sulfur, but all the other nutrients other than nitrogen are, are in sufficient, they're in sufficient quantity to maximize the efficiency of use of, of a nitrogen. So uh, I would say you would, you would need to Try and maintain your sulfuric, uh, but it depends on how much sulfur you're applying. So, you know, 12, 
12 to 15 kilos of sulfur per hectare is, is more than enough for, for the cereal crops. Uh, so if you're applying more than that anyway, uh, reducing a small reduction uh, isn't going to have any, any effect. Uh, it, obviously, the, the recommended amount would be a bit higher for, for oilseed rapes. You'd be looking at maybe 20 kilos per hectare of sulfur for, for the oilseed rape. Okay, thanks, Richie. Uh, David, one for you around the additive in protected urea. There's a couple of questions coming in about its uh, potential impact. Um, has anything been done from the Irish context in regard to that? So in, in, in what context, you and... Oh, sorry, the, the question is, has any work been done on the additive in protected urea? Oh, sorry, yes, um, I'm sorry. Sorry, in round soil biology, maybe water quality, these things. Yeah, so um, good question and, and one that's coming more and more to the fore, I suppose. So um, obviously we've looked at protected urea in terms of, of um, cereal crops and also in terms of, of, of grassland. Um, I suppose the advantage on, on cereals is less pronounced because there's less, I suppose, um, greenhouse gas emissions, the soils are drier, et cetera, and they're more spring type crops. But again, it does keep the, the nitrogen, especially a urea form of nitrogen um, available to the crop. So it reduces that emission. In terms of the question specifically on soil biology, we have a long-term study. It's now in, on the go where we've applied protected urea for eight years now in a row. We've looked at the soil biology and there is no difference between the soil biology in the plots that are applied with, with straight can, straight urea or protected urea. Um, there is a difference between the biology in the, in the crops uh, in the fertilized crops versus the, the control. And there's actually more and more active soil biology in the fertilized uh, areas due to more nutrient cycling. Okay. You know, the plant is the, is the, is the gatekeeper there. If mm -hmm. the plant is cycling more carbon and rooting more, there's going to be more active biology because there's more soil organic matter. Okay, perfect. Thank you, David. Uh, Richie, one for yourself. Um, in other brassicas such as tillage radish or fodder radish, is the end available in that cover crop to plough down and benefit the next crop? Yeah, a certain proportion of it is. Uh, I suppose that the problem is, first of all, you, you won't know how much, you, you probably won't know unless you've measured it, how much nitrogen is actually in your cover crop. And then when you do plough it down, you, you won't be able to, you, a sort of a rule of thumb might be 20 to 30% of, of, of the nitrogen that's actually in it will become available. But all that's very difficult to to, to give a definite answer as to how many kilos per hectare will be available. The answer is yes, some of it will be available, but how much is, is a difficult question. Okay, so two last very quick questions then, so we can we can wrap up for one o'clock. Um, Andy wants to know if we're applying less spring N to the winter oilseed rape dermot, do we need all the S? Um, so if the N rate could be cut down from 225 down to 100 kgs, um, do we need uh, sulfur up to 30 kg? I think I think I'll let Richie answer that one. Then, like I mean, because sure. the, the uptake of nitrogen, Richie, if we yeah, that that's a good question. I probably not the foot. Well, mm -hmm. I, I would suggest you don't. You certainly don't need thirty kilos if you have that much nitrogen in in, in the crop already, mm -hmm. because obviously that the crop will have taken up sulfur is leached just the same as nitrate, so the crop will have taken up sulfur. Um, it's probably good practice to put some sulfur on it, um, but but it probably doesn't need the, the, the full amount. Yeah. Okay, great. And uh, um, one last one from Bobby. Any opinion on applying final fertilizer on winter oil syrup via sprayer in liquid form? 
to delay yeah. the application date maybe or versus your normal fertilizer spitter yeah i think that i think there is some 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 uh, benefit in doing that because what we're talking about here is trying to cut back on the amount of fertilizer that's contributing to canopy and trying to add that end piece quite late so it's contributing more directly to yield rather than canopy building so like what we would say in bigger crops is that you're holding your last uh, fertilizer application until the point that you can spread it evenly so by applying with a fertilizer spreader the height of the crop is a physical restriction so you need to be you need to have your discs over that so bobby's question is you know by going in there with a sprayer yes it makes sense you can go later a huge thanks to ewan dermot richie and david in answering the questions in a clear and understandable way the full video of the national tillage conference webinar can be found on the chagas crops youtube page so that's it for the tillage edge for this week and again, if you have a suggestion about a topic you would like to hear more about, drop me an email at michael.hennessy at chagas.ie or on Twitter at Chagas Crops. We always want to hear from farmers and people in the industry about what interests them, so do get in touch. There are a number of other events coming up in the next few weeks with the Crops webinar on today addressing biostimulants, a farmer's view of fertilizers, and how to access credit for the increased input costs in 2022. That's on this morning at 11 a.m. Then on Thursday, January 27th, we will have the second part of the National Tillage Conference, and this will cover areas such as BYDV, grass weeds, and disease control. Following that, on the next Thursday, Thursday, February the 3rd, we will look at CAP post-2023. And for the next couple of Thursdays, we will also have other webinars dealing with malt and barley and other crop management issues. All of these events can be found at www.chagas.ie forward slash tillage month. Please have a look at this and register for all of these events there. Finally, don't forget, if you enjoyed this podcast, then recommend it to a friend or colleague. And as always, rate, review and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss an episode. And for more information, go to chagas.ie. I'm Michael Hennessy. Thanks for listening. I'll be back next week with more tillage news and advice.